This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman, the Rockies invite an old friend to spring training. He was beloved. He won 19 games, correct? In in, he had the greatest had, season in Rockies right. history for pitchers. A bold prediction from Rockies ownership. He's hoping that the starting rotation, as in Kyle Freeland, can get back on track. He's hoping that Wade Davis can get back on track. And Drew visits with former Rockies great Jeff Francis. But I have all my jerseys from each team I played for on display in my house. And the Rockies one just hap- is the white one with the World Series patch on the sleeve. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Though. It's pretty cool to be able to say I did that. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. That is right. It is the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Brownman. Uh, Drew Goodman back from Arizona. You look tan, fit. Uh, Do no? I look tan? No, not really. But did Please you get a tan? I was out in the sun every day, and it was. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I didn't check the temperature. I mean, when the the sun's pretty intense, just like we're used to in Colorado, the sun's yep. pretty intense in Scottsdale. Great weather, great time. You were there for fantasy camp. Fantasy camp, five days of um, of fantasy. frolicking, fantasy. How much is that for? If say I wanted to do that, I want to say Julie and I've been very fortunate to be on scholarship, but um, I want to say it's like. In the like a little over four grand, forty two fifty, forty okay. five hundred, right in there. And how many? Just a brief, like how many days you get uniforms? So, right? so here, real quick, I'll run down. Um, you you fly first thing Tuesday morning. Everybody kind of goes as a group. You go right to the facility. They take your you know personal bags to the hotel. So when you get to the resort later, it's already in your room. You don't even have to mess with it. You you have right. they give you a room key the whole nine yards, and then. Um, you bet you, you go to your locker after lunch and, and the food there's incredible because the Rockies nutritionist does every meal wow. and the food is like off the charts. But so then you get in uniform and everybody's always really excited. They go to their locker. It's got their nameplate, Julie Brownman. It's got all these goodies in there and you get your uniform and it's kind of like a tryout, a couple hours of tryout where you go hit, you go field, you take fly balls, ground balls and you pitch. And the coaches are all evaluating you. Then you kind of go eat again. And during that, now, this was cool for me this year because I was a player coach. It was okay. the first time I was also a coach. So mm-hmm. I got to be in the draft room, which is hilarious because they're go, you know, you're drafting players and you're in there. You're, you know, kind of the good players because a lot of them are, are repeat offenders, as we call them. Mm-hmm. But then you're going down the list and you're, and now you're looking at, honestly, this is funny, Julie. You're now going, okay, I don't remember seeing that person. He's 69. <laughs> <laughs> and the other dude is 77. I'll take the 69-year-old guy, right. Right? right? So, I mean, that's starts to what, you know, in the later rounds, that's kind of what you're basing it on. So the coaches are former Rockies players, which we're going to hear from one a little bit later in the show, Jeff Francis, you yeah. cut up with. And remember, Jeff won 17 games in 07, mm-hmm. two more in the postseason, started game one of the World Series. So yeah, it'll he had be some good, good stuff to up. say. Yeah, I, I listened to that interview. It, it's pretty good. So, okay, we have a lot of Rockies news to talk about. First of all, before we get into, I know Rockies fans want to know your take on Dick Monfort saying that the team this year is going to win a franchise high 94 wins. Um, Obaldo Jimenez, that the team signed him to non-invitee. He, he, he's a, he's a, no, he's a, he's a non-roster right. invitee okay. to spring training. Mm-hmm. So basically he, he doesn't have a guaranteed job. Okay. They're, they're taking a look-see at right. Ubaldo, who hasn't pitched in the big league since, you know, a tough year in 2017 with Baltimore. Quick, funny story. So as you know, I was down in the Dominican Republic watching my middle son, Zach, play in October. 
and we were at the Rockies complex because their university team played, um, you know, Webster played uh, the Rockies young Latin kids. And we also one day went to a, a night game and watched Lise play in the, uh, you know, in, in winter baseball, right? Mm -hmm. And the, they had still on the lineup card, Julie, I'm looking at the name, seeing who I recognize. You always recognize three or four guys because they're big leaguers, right? And they're just playing winter ball. Uh -huh. And pitching and batting ninth was Ubaldo Jimenez. And I'm like, oh my, what? it said you Jimenez. I'm like, that's gotta be Ubaldo. <laughs> and then they, then they erased it. And they wrote in the lineup for the day. So I, I was fooled because I thought that was the lineup for the day. He had actually pitched the day before. So I didn't get to see him. Uh -huh. But I talked to some people. And yeah, he was pitching winter ball in the hopes that somebody gave him an opportunity. And then I learned today, like you did, that Ubaldo's opportunity is coming again with his original franchise. So any Rockies fan, I mean, he was beloved. He won 19 games. Correct. In he had the greatest he had, season in Rockies right. history for a pitcher. Okay, so tell me, should I be excited? Because he's been out of the game since 2017. Boy, it would be a wonderful story, wouldn't it? And yeah. the Rockies need depth in their rotation. Um, he doesn't throw as hard as he used to. Um, you know, when he was 98 miles an hour and a split finger and he had just nasty, nasty stuff. Of course, through the no-hitter against Atlanta in April of 2010. And I'll say this again. I've said it many times, by the way. His first half in 2010 was not only the greatest first half, obviously, in Rockies history for a starting pitcher. It was, and you can look this up and especially couple it with pitching at altitude, it was one of the greatest three months of starting pitching in the history of the game. It really was. Look those numbers up. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, Julie, great question. What would the expectations be that, you know, he can still get ground balls that he can provide some depth for the Rockies and, you know, the arms a little fresher cause he's had a couple of years off. I know he's been working on his mechanics um, and, and somehow he can still get big league outs. That that's what you hope for. I mean, so he you, can break into the starting rotation. Well, I mean, I mean, do I think that would be one hell of a story? Yeah. Yes. But maybe more likely is he shows enough in spring training that the Rockies, that, that he's willing to go to AAA mm -hmm. and provide depth and say, hey, go down there for a couple of months because uh, I don't know if I ever said this line to you, Julie. There, you know there's three guarantees in life, right? Death, taxes. Right. Yeah. You're right on the money. And pitchers get hurt. <laughs> death, right. taxes, and pitchers get hurt. They do. Yeah. Right? Right. So you need depth. You can't just go, oh, we got our five starters. What is the third one, by the way? Forgot. And pitchers get hurt. No, no it was only two. It was death and taxes. Okay. All right. We've added the third. Pitchers okay. get hurt. Okay. Um, following me? Yeah, now? following we were, Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I think realistically, Ubaldo shows enough in spring training that you go, you know what? He can get big league hitters out. Yeah. We have our rotation, but you know, would you go to AAA and be an, um, an insurance policy? That That to me would be like the most – likely really good you know scenario you know if the, you were a betting man would you say we're going to see him next year at Coors Field at any point I hope so because I really here, here's the thing you know you're pulling on my my sentimental mm -hmm. um emotions uh because you're pulling at my sentimentality because I really like Ubaldo he's a great kid he's not a kid he's you know he's a grown man now in his 30s 
And I, and I love good – we all love good stories, right? Yeah. Sports provides us a lot of times with really neat stories, and I think this would be a really neat Rocky story. But we need Ubaldo to be good. It's, I mean, he wasn't good late in his career in Baltimore. I mean, he has six-something ERA in Baltimore in 2017. Now he's almost three years removed from that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it would be a real pleasant surprise. Would it be a surprise to you if the Rockies won a franchise record 94 wins? Dick Monfort, I believe, was at a, a luncheon or breakfast uh, up in Greeley mm-hmm. and talked to friends of, I don't know. I can't he, does a, he does yeah. that breakfast every year. Obviously, right. Dick is from you know that part of, of the state. And yeah. um, you know there's great Rockies fans, obviously, in Greeley. Dick is, Dick is an eternal optimist, which you know we all, we all can appreciate. Here's why... It's not ridiculously outlandish. People, because of what has transpired or not transpired this offseason, the you know the spat with Nolan, the fact that the Rockies didn't make any moves, and they're coming off a seventy-one win season, which was a disaster. Right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to argue that that was a bad season, not a bad season. But they're only two years removed from winning ninety-plus games. They're three years removed from basically being a ninety-win team. So to say, hey, we can be a 90-win team again, that's really what Dick's saying. It, it's not – that's not like, I mean, well, I think his that statement outlandish. was based on hope, and I'm not saying that mm-hmm. that's a bad thing. It's just he's just hoping – and basically what he said, he's hoping that the starting rotation, as in Kyle Freeland, mm-hmm. can get back on track. He's hoping – that Wayne Davis can get back on track. He's hoping that Brian Shaw and Jake McGee get back. There's just a lot of hope there. There's, there's a, you have to I, – I say this every season, Julie, and your point is is well taken, that your every team, the Yankees, the Dodgers, they're going to have some questions. And the more questions that you can answer affirmatively in a positive manner four months into the season, the better you're probably doing, right? Whereas if you had 10 really – you know, sizable questions and eight of them turn south, you're probably having a lousy year. So yes, certain things have to turn around. Number one on that list would be Kyle Freeland. He has to be, you know, much closer to what he was two years ago than certainly he was last year. I would argue with you that it is not necessarily all on the Brian Shaw's and the Jake McGee's and the Wade Davis's of the world. It is partially going to be on some of the younger guys, the Jairo Diaz's, mm-hmm. the Carlos, yeah, the Carlos Estevez to take that next step. Mm-hmm. And maybe the really wealthy guys in the bullpen are more in situations where they're you know, less stressful situations, less less high leverage situations, and all of a sudden there's kind of a metamorphosis in that bullpen, and we're talking more about the Jairo Diaz's and the Carlos Estevez's and the Scott Oberg's um, and the James Pazos protecting one mm-hmm. and two run leads late. But listen, for the Rockies, you know, to back up with what Dick's prediction is, you have to have a number of questions answered positively otherwise you know it's going to be really difficult to get in that neighborhood clearly i think it's going to be a fascinating year because those questions have to be answered right i mean they there's some guys that performed two years ago to magnificent levels like a kyle freeland and then he's gonna have to guys will have to answer that question daniel murphy's gonna have to answer the question of what kind of season he had, right? Yeah. I mean, is he worth the money that the Rockies paid him? There's a lot of questions to be answered. And there's 
it's just, I mean, hopefully it goes, you know, it's still, the positive, but. It comes down to pitching. We we know that. It, it always does. I think Murphy bounces back. He mm-hmm. has a long track record of being successful. I think, um, you know what's not the worst thing in the world, Julie? When mm-hmm. an athlete's embarrassed. Do you think and he was embarrassed? I think he was embarrassed. I think he, I, I don't think he was in, I, I know he wasn't in the shape he needs to be in to, to perform at a high level. Um, from what I've heard, he's lost weight in the off season. He's going into a contract year, which never hurts. We know that, right? Mm-hmm. And I do think you, when you talk about a prideful guy, which Daniel Murphy is, a guy who's had a lot of success, when you get embarrassed and don't perform to to your capabilities, um, it, it, it's easy motivation, you would think, in the off season as you prepare. Um, and, and the other thing I would add to what Dick said, the Rockies had four All-Stars last year. So this isn't like, hey, this team that's devoid of real talent, there's a lot of talented guys that are going to show up in a, in a couple of weeks in spring I training. I know, I know, but just because they had All-Stars, and I'm a Rockies fan, but just because they had All-Stars, they didn't, it didn't doesn't matter. It didn't really matter to Rockies fans that they had four All Stars, right? You'd rather I'd rather see. Well, the, the end record didn't support the right. four All. Usually, you right. know, we got four All Stars. You're talking about a 90 plus win team, right? I almost fell off the chair. Um, okay, let me ask you this: There's some guys out there that have we have that potential tagged to them. A Jeff Hoffman, an Antonio Sensatella, and you you know name Estevez, Chi- Chichi Gonzalez, Chichi Gonzalez. Up last so the year. guys that have that potential tag. Who do you think is going to live up to that potential this year or get closer to it than still just having that potential tag? Well, I, I know this. Again, it goes back to your observations a moment ago. For the Rockies to be a 90-plus win team and be in contention, if you win 90, you're going to the postseason, right? Antonio Sensatella has to be has to be good toward the back end of the rotation. Yep. What is good? A guy who, who wins a dozen games. I think they have to have a really good story out of the back of the rotation. I think that Chichi Gonzalez could be that guy. I mean, he was really good in September. Um, he's a great competitor. His stuff is not off the charts, but he'll be another year removed from Tommy John surgery. I like his makeup. I think he would be in line potentially to be a really good story when you and I are chit-chatting away in July and we go, hey, you know, Chi-Chi's got eight wins already and he's got a, you know, a 380 RA. He's been good. Yeah. And then at the top of the pyramid, man, we, we haven't even mentioned these guys. We talked about all-stars. I think the Rockies will have a chance to be really good if Herman Marquez is an all-star. When If you, if you have an all-star guy in your rotation – which the Rockies, it's been few and far between, that will bode well. And, and they have two guys, you know, shoot, Freeland was there also. We know we need Freeland to have a bounce back. But, you know, John Gray and Herman Marquez have to continue to build on what they've done in the recent past. So that was our pre-pre-pre-spring training report. They report to down in Scottsdale in a few days. Yeah, and, and being just down there, a lot of guys are already there. I saw Herman. Mm-hmm. He looks great. Saw Tony Walters. Tony still got his mustache, by the way. Oh, I thought that was. He looks great. I thought he shaved it off. There was. I saw something too. Is that a I rumor? Said, no, I saw something that I thought he had a shaved mustache, which means somebody would have won the bet with his father-in-law. But no, I, I said Tony, you still got a full mustache, dude, and it wasn't like a stick on. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You know, it's time for Julie. It's time hmm. for our friends at uh, Ideal Home Loans. If you are in the market for a new home. You need to call Ideal Home Loans. 
because they are going to lend you money and they're going to do it in a, in a fashion that is easy, it is efficient, and they are absolutely the best in the business and they're locally owned. Brent Ivinson's company, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000, it's Ideal Home Loans. Listen, if you're consolidating debt, if you are looking to refinance, good time to do it. As we uh, keep telling you, interest rates are terrific. They are an A+. plus. They have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They don't hand those things out, so it just speaks to how um, good they have been and how well-respected they've been in the industry. And they're closing in on, on being around for 20 years as they started in 2001. So it's Ideal Home Loans, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Give them a call. They also bring us our interview of the week. And this is a good one. This is fun. Very As opposed popular to the player. other ones? That was, you're right. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Jeff Francis is one of those guys that I think uh, very popular, very well thought of, beloved here. And you got the chance to catch up with him. He was one of the coaches for Fantasy Cam. We get to hear uh, what he's doing these days. Jeff Francis. All right, uh, you a six-pack of uh, Molson or the beer of your choice after that tennis uh, match. Nicely done. Yeah, thanks. That was fun to play. I, we've talked about it for years, so it's fun to, to actually do it for a change. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to have to go get back on the uh, court and the ball machine, etc. <laughs> it's good to see you. Every year uh, we get together at fantasy camp, and I'm sure a lot of people are saying, hey, what is Jeff Francis up to? It's like the old, uh, you know, where are they now? You've become... You know, gone long enough that people go, hey, where is he now? So? Well, I guess I do a lot of things. I mean, I, I'm still involved in baseball. I still do this Rockies thing, which isn't much, but it's a lot of fun. Um, I'm one of the pitching coaches for Team Canada in the junior national team program. So that's a few trips a year that takes up, you know, a bit of time, at least takes me away from home. Um, the kids are great. It's a, it's a really fun way to to give back to the game, especially in, in my home country where, you know, baseball's popular, but it's not number one. Um, you know, with little kids at home, I mean, there's never a shortage of things to do, right? It's yeah. it's nice to be able to have the time to, the, to do the things I need to do so that, you know, when they're home, I'm, I'm home with them. You know, we play mini sticks in the basement. We play soccer in the backyard. We we even cast fly rods in the front yard pretending we're catching fish. So, um, you know, it's it's just I feel very lucky to have played baseball long enough to where I, you know, don't feel the financial pressure to, to have to work a, a nine-to-five job and, and get extra daycare for my children. It's, I, I, you know, I'm, it's not lost on me how fortunate I am. Yeah. And, uh, and Allie does work and, and kind of role reversal from when you were playing a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, she worked, you know, right up until we had children, really. I mean, we moved to Denver when I first started playing there, and, and um, you know, she had to go through the extra licensing to to, to be able to work in the U.S., and, and you know, because she did all her schooling in Canada. But um, it's funny, like, my career was so stable early on, which is kind of the opposite of most ball players, right? It's usually you might take a while to settle in somewhere but i settled in right away and then the last half of my career when we had little children we were moving three four times a year so um but yeah since since i've quit playing ball we've kind of hit the the routine of school and work and those kinds of things and 
I, I really haven't missed the baseball life much at all. I was going to say, I mean, do you get enough of it between, obviously, the fantasy camp thing we'll talk about in a little bit, but um, between the Team Canada junior program, and I mean, is that enough, or do you see yourself one day, you know, getting more heavily involved, either either with the team in terms of nationally or, or maybe in affiliated baseball again? I've, I'm just comfortable around baseball. I think for now, it's plenty. You know, I, I do coach my own kids in, in baseball, softball, and soccer whenever I can and um, you know the amount of time I commit to it right now is perfect I know in the future there'll be more of that or even if my own kids end up playing baseball at a high level I can I can be there for that um, I wouldn't rule it out I, I don't I don't miss the travel of being a professional ball player to be away from home that doesn't appeal to me much at all. So I, I'm not sure I see me doing it at that level. I think the amateur level, when kids are so talented, you can have such a big effect on them, especially Canadians, you know, having seen what what Larry just did going to the Hall of Fame and, and the kind of state of the game in our country is, is, is on the rise. So there's no shortage of talented kids you can you can have a big effect on. You mentioned walk. That, that was particularly special to you as a former big leaguer, I'm sure, and particularly special for the baseball community in Canada, maybe beyond that. Am I correct in that? For sure. it's That's only the second Canadian-born player in, in Cooperstown. Probably similar to Rockies fans, right? I mean, I found out that not one Hall of Famer had ever worn a Rockies uniform. Is that true? true? That's true. I mean, how big is that for Rockies fans? And, and Larry's going in with a Rockies hat. and It's similar for Canadians. Larry was a pioneer in, in baseball. Uh, playing for the Expos, especially, who's on TV every day, and he was great, you know. And it's fun for us to see him be acknowledged as such, you know. It's, you know, of course he's in the Canadian Baseball Hall of Fame. He has been since probably the day he retired. And, um, but to see him go into Cooperstown and to see him do it, you know, humbly like like he has, it's yeah. it's fun to see him like that. Yeah. Do you think he'll wear the? Um, <laughs> what, did, what did he have on at the announcement? Um, Square Bob, some kind of yeah, SpongeBob, SpongeBob shirt Square yeah, Pants uh, deal. I think he'll clean enough for uh, Cooperstown induction day, right? I hope so. I, I'm planning on going. Yeah, I, I live about six hours from Cooperstown, so um, I won't, you know, participate in wh whatever hoopla is going on. But I want to see, I want to see Larry get up there and talk. And if and when Todd Helton ever gets in, I think I would try to do the same. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't. I, I don't talk to Todd very much, but I have, having played with him as long as I did, I consider him a friend. And if if, if he ever went in, I think that would be just so cool that to have yeah. a teammate of mine that I played with for so long go in there. It, it's going to be awesome. Obviously, we, we both hope Todd gets in, and, and next summer is going to be awesome with Larry getting in. There's going to be a huge contingent, not only of, of folks from Canada, but there's going to be a huge contingent from the Rocky Mountain region. And I'm laughing at a little bit because you know both of these guys well, and they are both um, really funny in their own way. And and I hope I bet you some of Larry's humor comes out in that induction speech. Well, it certainly came out in the shirt he right. decided to wear when he got the phone call, and in his Twitter handle, which yeah. now the world has found out is right. Moose Lips for right. some reason. I don't even know what that means, but yeah, it, it, who knows though, right? If if like if you've seen Larry in his interview since he he's done it with sort of a 
A typical yeah. Canadian attitude, right? Yeah. Where he's just been polite and humble and right. deferred to Jeter. And right. I, I would hope a little bit of Larry would come out in the speech and, and Todd too, if he ever gets up there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how frequently, and I, I would imagine the answer to this question is not very frequently, but it's certainly your question to answer, that you reflect back on that 07 season. How often do I think yeah. about it? Do you think about it every I think about it very often. You I, do? Okay. Well, I've got... I didn't keep a lot of memorabilia from my playing days, but I have all my jerseys from each team I played for on display in my house. And the Rockies one just hap- is the white one with the World Series patch on the sleeve. So, And there's also a framed picture of Fenway Park during the National Anthem. And uh, it's, you know, from above home plate, it's the field with the, the American flag on the fence and both teams lined up on the foul lines and people always say, well, where are you? And this is right before game one. And so I'm warming up in the pen. So I, I show them the little tiny yeah. speck in the visitor's bullpen. Like that's me warming yeah. up for the game. So I am reminded of it quite often. And, uh, it's sometimes it feels like another lifetime, not just cause it's so long ago, but just because for me to go out and throw a ball now, just, it doesn't work. You know, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Like I, just doesn't doesn't feel like I really did that, you know, that my body ever could. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's you, pretty cool though. It's pretty cool to be able to say I did that. Absolutely, <laughs> you should yeah. be you should be immensely proud of it. Do you ever pick apart, uh, you know, game one in particular? Because again, we as we all know, the Rockies were on a roll. You were on a roll. Do you ever pick it apart and say, you know, I wish you know to Pedroia through that? I mean, does that still go through one's head? Yeah, a little bit. I. What was it? Two years ago, was it 2018 that Rock, the Red Sox won it again? Yeah. And game one was at Fenway of the World Series that year, and I, I wanted to show my kids like this game one of the World Series, and I, I pitched there at Fenway one time, so I put the game on. I don't know how I had it, maybe, had it on video or something, and I, I put it on like kids were gonna sit down, we're gonna watch Dad pitch in the World Series, and. Like five minutes in, I was I was like pacing the room. Like I couldn't watch. I couldn't really? watch. Like it was just hit after hit after yeah. hit, and just made my palms sweat again. Like right. brought all back all the anxiety, and um, it wasn't a pleasant experience. It would probably was probably the first time I had sat down and watched it since that day it happened. So the the age old question for Rockies players, but you know fans always say, "Hey, if there wasn't a nine day layoff, it would have been." You know, depending on how optimistic you are as a fan, it would have the Rockies would have won because they were on this unbelievable roll, or at the very least, it would have been a much better series. From a player's perspective, your thought? Yeah, I mean, the reason we were there is because we were on such a roll, right? So what? I mean, what's nine days going to do to a team that's just riding a wave? It's, you know, it was easy. To, it was easy to say in the moment, ah, that's not going to affect us. We're fine, and then. But as you look back, I mean, of course, right? It's, that's why we were there is because we were hot. <laughs> and then the Red Sox had, what, two days layoff? And they got hot there, too. We were just a tick behind. Right. You know, I was a tick off, probably more than a tick off. I hadn't pitched in 14 days, I think. So right. um, you could tell, like, right out of the shoot, our, our hitters were just a bit behind, bit a bit off. Right. I wasn't even close that day. It, the relievers that came in, they weren't even close. It was just a bad day. Yeah. Game two could have gone either way. Like, Ibaldo pitched so well. I think, what did we lose? Two to one? So. Three to one, maybe? Something Three to like two? Like, that could game. If that game had turned the other way, who knows? 
right? Yeah. We get a bit of confidence back. Ah, who knows? You, you know, it's funny about me. People ask, um, you know, as a broadcaster, and I was broadcasting those games. I was sitting on the, I was at Fenway, but you know, I'm sitting now as a fan, which is a, which is a strange perspective for me doing what I do, and I never remember much. I, I have really good short-term retention. I'll remember, you know, strange stats and events in a person's life because I'm getting ready to do a game and then I let it all go. I barely know the score at the end of the game. And I'm wondering for you, do you do you remember each element uh, of each of those games? Um, do you remember like, yeah, oh, that's right, Holiday was up and we had a chance. It was second and third and it was a 2-2 pitch or just kind of all a blur. I do remember little things. I remember was a game two. Holiday got picked off. We had the tying run on base. Don't look at me for help. That's what I mean. I yeah. don't remember. We had the tying run on base in the maybe the eighth or ninth inning. It must have been the ninth because it was Papelbon picked him off. So I remember little things like right. that. I, I even even I'll remember like a start I made in May of two thousand six. You know, I'll remember a, a certain pitch that I made that worked that I held onto for a long time that would help me get back to when I struggled. Right. right. So. There's little things you, you remember, you don't forget. But then sometimes people say, hey, I, I remember seeing you do this, and I won't, I yeah, won't remember anything. Sure. This is a little, I mean, you remember certain things, other things you forget the next day. How important is chemistry to the success, ultimately, of a baseball team? And the reason I ask that is this 07 team, we always think of as a team with great chemistry. And again, we'll get to what happens here at Fantasy Camp with you and some of your brethren. But uh, how important an element to the success of the 07 team was chemistry in the clubhouse? It's hard to say which came first. You know, I mean, we were a group of mostly young players who came up to, together in the either in the minor leagues or within a few years of each other in the minor leagues. So we took our lumps all together in 04 and 05, mostly in 06 too, and early in 07. Um, but when we started winning, it was... It, it, you could say that that was what sort of brought us together was we sort of won a little bit and it, it kind of all puts itself together when you're losing and I did plenty of losing in Colorado and, and other places I went to it just does, does, doesn't work you can have all the chemistry you like you might still have chemistry but when you're losing no one's happy so right. no one's really getting along anyway right. um, in bad years we had in Colorado we had great people we had chemistry guys got along but when you're losing the manager's cranky, the pitching coach is cranky because you're not pitching well. I'm cranky because I'm not pitching well. I'm probably going to get shipped out at any moment. Um, it just doesn't work. Right. So, like, winning solves everything, right? It's when you're winning, then people who would normally get along are getting along great. Mm -hmm. And chemistry just seems to work because when you're winning, it, there's no pressure on one person. When you're losing, it's like, okay, Helton, you got to come through here. I mean, this is your job, right? Or, but if you if, if it's just a different guy every night, then it's like, okay, well, Helton didn't do it. Jamie Carroll's going to get the sack fly to score. Right. Matt Holiday, right, in the tiebreaker game. So things just fall into place when, when things are going your way. They were certainly going our way. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys get together every year at Fantasy Camp, and I always tell people um, it, it's one of the experiences I look forward to uh, tremendously every year. It's fun for, for me to still you know, hack around a, a baseball diamond. And the interesting thing is, for you guys, watching a bunch of bad 
baseball for, for five days, you think, oh, man, this has to be a grind, and, and the Rockies are twisting their arm and paying them a few bucks to, to come here. But it's it's really not that way for, for guys like you and, and Brian Fuentes and, and Garrett Atkins and Clint Barmas has been here in the past, not here this year, but, uh, you know, Corey Sullivan, guys we see all the time, Ryan Spielborgs, et cetera. Well, we, we certainly... We certainly have our laughs. You know, we, we come here and we have fun and we right. throw the stories around and we we yuck it up. But, you know, we, we could still do that if there was no fantasy camp going on, but we still come for that because like, we love watching you guys try. Right. I mean, it's like you said, it's sure, it's bad baseball <laughs> at some points. It's terrible baseball, but it, it's not because you're good or because you're bad we come. It's because we love watching you try and it's right. it's a bunch of people who love to play baseball and they... They get hurt, they tear Achilles tendons, they pull hamstrings, but they're still on the field for four days. It's just, we have fun, we, we laugh, and the players laugh at themselves. They like to sit with us and, and ask us questions about our playing days, and it's just a good time. And I live in northern, not northern Canada, but I live in eastern Canada where it's winter. I mean, I get to come here for five days where it's yeah. sunny and warm, and and I get to go on those beautiful ball fields and... Yeah, it's perfect. And, and then the evening rolls around at JD's here in the hotel, and um, every night till uh, to closing, it's pretty good. Pretty good deal. Well, we feel like that's our job. You know, if if the campers want to hang out, that's what we're here for. So we feel like our job is to close it down with them, and if they're not here, to close it down, to find them in the morning at Kangaroo Court because they did because they didn't outlast us. All right. Do you, have a, do you have a favorite kangaroo court moment in the time you've been coming? Well, there's so many. I mean, this year one of my favorites was this poor kid who was on our on our squad. He came in to pitch, and and he had been taking pitching lessons, so we felt like, well, we should get him in there to make it worth his while. But he really struggled to throw strikes, and he walked he walked a bunch of people. He, Gave up about seven, eight runs, and I just we just had to take him out. I mean, right. the game was getting close at that right. point, so we go and take him out, and we put him in at second base and bring the second baseman in the pitch. And the first batter that the new pitcher faces hits a ground ball to this kid at second base, and he throws a perfect strike yeah. to home plate to get the runner out. That was against us, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So you know, commissioner the next morning brings it up in kangaroo court and of course tells the whole camp about the story and and does it in a way that everybody laughs and the kid can laugh at himself and things like that i think brings the whole camp together it's a lot of fun yeah my, my favorite kangaroo court story this year was and, and i threw these guys under the bus there my teammates are there's these three brothers from northern california the mathis brothers great guys not good guys they're great guys and you know what they're you know they're in their 40s or so and um, not as felt, shall we say, as they maybe used to be. But one of the things I, I got to experience this year, which was neat, I, um, because George Frazier, our buddy, had to drop out. So I was, I was, uh, helping Huey as a coach. I uh, was a player coach. And so I'm in the draft room and, you know, we had, you, you know, you, you watch the guys go through their paces, if you will. And then you have other things to rely on. What's left after the guys you know is, you know, height and weight and age. Yeah. You know, so, all right, I'll, I'll take the 55-year-old in front of the 65-year-old kind of thing. And the guy who's, you know, 195 as opposed to the guy who's maybe 245, perhaps, right? Well, the Mathis brothers' weights didn't kind of match up <laughs> visually, 
right? So we took them, and they actually were good people. They actually did a nice job. But uh, I said to Tito, you, Brian Fuentes, I said, we got to find them a, a pound for every a uh, dollar for every pound they're over uh, <laughs> they're over whatever their weight was on the sheet yeah. and so I mean Tito's really funny a lot of people don't realize how funny yeah. did you realize how funny Brian was when you played with him yeah because he could command a room like that he you know there's an old tradition in, in, in baseball where you're riding from the on the bus from the airport or from the airplane to the hotel usually guys have had a had a few and they're they're oiled up a bit mm-hmm. you know and Tito would grab the mic a lot and entertain the team so to speak so tito's been doing that a long time and and no knows exactly when to step over the line a little bit yeah. and then jump right back over it so yeah. he's pretty good he he can be he can be uproariously funny but he really he he took care of the mathis boys <laughs> they instead of getting on the scale in the middle of uh the entire camp they elected to uh, pay a heftier fine <laughs> And not uh, go through that uh, process. All right, last question for you: um, How how often are you able to watch the Rockies? Do you follow them from afar? I do. I follow it. I you know read the news. Uh, living out east, the games don't come on till or home games at least don't come on till about almost nine o'clock at night. So I don't see them too much. But uh, it's fun to to flip it on sometimes on MLB TV and hear Spilly's voice and hear Corey's voice and and. You know, at least get caught up on what's happening right. with the Rockies. But not too many players left who I played with. I think just Charlie and Nolan, maybe. Um, but it, the, one of the other things that makes fantasy camp so fun is that as much turnover as there is in players, there's none in the staff. So you come back and it's, the, it's all the same training staff, strength coaching staff, and the kitchen staff, and the clubhouse staff. They're all the same people. So right. it's fun to, to see them and catch up. Good deal. Jeff, always good to see you, man. Thanks. Thank you. You know, I, I love Jeff. I have to give him props. We uh, had played a little tennis after, and Jeff plays uh, a lot now, and that's my excuse. I'm not playing as much. Jeff won, which ticks me off. But um, I love I, I love being around Jeff. He was a thinking man's pitcher. I mean, he was a physics major at UBC, University of British Columbia. So you guys have a lot in common. Yeah, I was a physics major as well. I was a molecular <laughs> molecular biology major. So we, you know, we talk science and we get together. Right, we talk science. And, um, <laughs> And then we talk a little ball right. also. They have yeah. that, that group, Julie, they love going to fantasy camp. You have Josh Fogg, the Dragon Slayer. Mm-hmm. You have Francis. So you have two-fifths of the rotation that year. You know, it's Dragon Slayer from game 163. Francis, well, and the best nickname ever. Yeah, great nickname. And Fogg mm-hmm. is an absolute blast. He's a hoot. Um, you have kind of the straight arrow in Francis, and they love ribbing him and, and – um, and, and you have Brian Fuentes, who was the closer. You remember he lost his job in 07. We're going to yep. get Tito on. That's his nickname. We're going to get him on also. And he's a character. Uh, he became a really great setup man for Manny Corpus. You have Norm- Clint Barmas is normally there. Uh, Barmy couldn't make it this year. He had a prior engagement. You have Corey Sullivan. You had that great throw in center field at Dodger Stadium during the run. And you have Spilly, and I you know you and I see Corey and, and Spilly all the time, but they have an absolute blast together. They love managing, coaching at fantasy camp. They have a blast with all the campers, and then they hang out in the bar. JD's in the hotel after, and they they close it down every night. They usually will go out to dinner together, and they have that bond from '07, and they can tell the stories over and over again. They usually get together a day or two in front of uh, fantasy camp to go play golf. But it's like old home week, man. So 
it, it's neat. They accomplished a lot together, mm-hmm. and it's really cool to see that nucleus still close and still hanging out. You know, I think what was not cool is to see the trade between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. I mean, as a as a, I don't think many of us, I guess, right now think, okay, this is the year that the Rockies are going to overtake the Dodgers for the NL West. You never know, but um, with the Dodgers acquiring Mookie Betts and David Price. Well, the Mookie Betts, that, that just that doesn't feel good. Well, you get a former American League MVP to join in the outfield, the current reigning National League MVP in Cody Bellinger. Yeah, so yeah, Dodgers. They're lo- they're lo- yeah, they're, they're going to have a loaded lineup. I mean, Betts is one of the three or four or five best players in baseball. He's dynamic on both sides of the ball. He's a phenomenal outfielder. He's a great kid. Um you know, it's a gamble by the Dodgers to a certain degree, but Julie, they didn't give up any of their top prospects. They gave up Alex Verdugo, who's a you know twenty three year old controllable that Boston, I'm sure, was excited to get. But they didn't give up, you know, Gavin Lux. They didn't give up um, Dustin May. They didn't give up any of their top prospects, and I'm sure they're pretty confident that they're going to be in the running to re-sign Betts when he becomes a free agent at the end of 2020 because they have as deep a pocket as anybody um, in baseball. So, you know, it was a a great move for the Dodgers. The one good thing that came out of it from a Rockies perspective Mm -hmm. is Kenna Maeda. I don't know if you saw that. Kenna Maeda, Mm -hmm. kind of a three-way deal. He went to – did he go to Minnesota? Yeah, he went to Minnesota. He went to Minnesota. And see you, Kenna. I'll drive you to the airport because – he was tough on the Rockies. He's tough on a lot of guys, but he yeah. was tough on the Rockies. So that's a He's guy. Got a funky that, delivery. He has a funky delivery, good changeup, and he was not afraid to pitch at Coors Field. So um, I don't think any Rocky is disappointed that Maeda is out of the division. Can I just say this for the majority of Rockies fans? I just freaking hate the Dodgers. I yeah. just freaking hate yeah. them. Jump in line, man. You know, these things make me hate them even more. Yep. Jump in line. You know what I do not hate? I actually love is Boyer's Coffee. I know that we share this. But we we share a love for Boyer's Coffee. Mm-hmm. This week, so every month they have a new coffee. What was the amaretto last month? Oh, uh, it was unbelievable. Yep. It was unbelievable. This month is chocolate cherry. Oh, my goodness. Right? It tastes like chocolate do cherry. Do favor, favor because we, we can get that at supermarket, but sometimes you're coming um, right from uh, the store. Right. Right, you can get it in the store or you can get it online. And online, that's cherry. right. Yeah, yeah. So I don't want to mislead people. Um, so will you bring me some of that- Chocolate cherry? Chocolate cherry next week. Yeah. Boyer's is great. And we love it because it's a Colorado company. Mm-hmm. And we love supporting Colorado companies like Ideal Home Loans. And if you haven't heard of Boyer's or been to Boyer's, and I'm a big fan of independent coffee stores. So if you're up on the north side, it's at 7295 Washington Street. Although you can find it at King Supers, you can find it at Safeway. If you want to support local companies, they've been roasting coffee in the Rocky Mountains since 1965. The beans are slow roasted at altitude. And they're one of the official sponsors of the Colorado Rockies. So we like to support them as well. Um, they do some wonderful wonderful charity work in peru they're very much committed to that um, cause they're just a really wonderful company they're they're a great company as you said not only locally based but they have they have a great vibe to them and they are you know socially conscious and they're a great global um citizen Mm -hmm. and next week i'll bring you chocolate cherry 
I can't wait. And you want to listen to our podcast coming up all month because we'll give you a chance a little bit later on next month to win some Boyer's Coffee. Yeah, next next week we're going to give away Boyer's Coffee, right? right? Next week, yes. Yeah. Okay, so we know that the Super Bowl is over, but Patrick Mahomes is not going anywhere, unfortunately. I wish that the Kansas City Chiefs had won. And then Patrick Mahomes would have left. Well, you retire. He's twenty-four. <laughs> I know, and he's—I gotta tell you, I'm a—I'm a native, and I've—I I hate the Raiders, and I hate—I really don't like the Chiefs. Man, this kid is tough to root against. I mean, I, I will—we uh, will when they're playing the Broncos. But this kid is special. He's—he's he's a special talent, right? And—and and you're right. There's. It, there's that cliche that we use in sports now. He has the it factor or she has the it factor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes has the it factor. He's a wonderful leader, seemingly. He's, you know, he's a great looking young kid. He obviously is uber talented. People gravitate toward him. He loves the big moment. He loves the big moment. And Julie, holy shit, he's 24. I know. He's already been a league MVP. He's been a Super Bowl MVP. You're right. He should retire. What else <laughs> is there left to accomplish? Um, the Rockies are going to be fighting that that guy for And the years. Broncos, too. Did I say the Rockies? Yeah. The Rockies it's okay. Not, well, we'll be the fighting. The Rockies, <laughs> if they jump on board with the Broncos, maybe, you know, maybe Trevor Story could probably help them in some capacity. He's a great athlete. That's a great yeah, point. Yeah, that would be a mismatch, the Chiefs <laughs> against the Rockies in football. So he has, although Patrick Holmes does have a connection with the Rockies, and that connection is with marketing. David Dahl's wife. How about that? Jack, Jacqueline Dahl. Mm-hmm. You talk about kicking ass. Jacqueline Dahl, um, who has a great marketing company at a very young age and her number one client is Patrick Mahomes and I think I don't I don't it's not like I know her whole client list but I know she has Bradley Chubb she does. too yeah and so there was a shot of her do you see that during the Super Bowl where obviously right after the game Mahomes being interviewed by everybody uh under the sun and and she was right in the background and she's done a phenomenal job for him and I know that David has become pretty cl- close with uh with Patrick is pretty cool story. So who is the most, if we're talking about a marketable player, he's Patrick Mahomes has got to be the number. Well, he's like almost Tom Brady. Like, by the way, he's going to be point. the new, he's a new face of the NFL. Right. Right. So who is that in baseball? Julie, here's the deal. Patrick Mahomes has done it for a couple of years, right? Mike Trout, you know, you could make an argument, a compelling one, especially with analytics, that Mike Trout is on track to be the greatest position player ever on base percentage, ability to steal bases, power, extra bases, all those things, right? And yet, I would tell you that Mike Trout could walk into a busy restaurant in Lodo on a Saturday night and... of the diners wouldn't know who he is. Now, if Patrick Mahomes walked into any restaurant in North America, virtually everyone, men and women, are going to know who he is. So does baseball have a problem marketing their stars? Yes, they do. Or is it really his personality? Well, is he more laid back? Yes, but the NFL and certainly the NBA do a much better job of marketing their players. Now, some of it is the old, you know, baseball's kind of like hockey where, you know, you always defer. It's all about team, team, team. You do have some guys that have a lot of personality and kind of step forward and have the talent to back it up, and I'll give you one, but now there's a problem, and that's Alex Bregman down in Houston. 
mm-hmm. great talent, mm-hmm. colorful personality, but Houston, we have a problem, <laughs> right? They just were cheating. Right. Hey, speaking of that, and we can actually end our podcast on that. Uh, so Pete Rose wants to be reinstated now because he said that um, there was no Houston players that were banned from the game in their involvement in what just happened. So he's he's trying to get reinstated again. He's 78 years old. And our, is he going to, is this going to be it? You know, Rob Manfred, very close to, great respect for his predecessor, Bud Selig. It didn't happen on Bud Selig's long watch. Mm -hmm. And I can't imagine out of respect, again, the respect that Rob Manfred has for Bud Selig and how everybody who ever steps foot in a clubhouse realizes that gambling is verboten. And the fact that Pete Rose changed his story so many times and never fully came forward and said, I was wrong. I did X, Y, and Z, and um, he's still doing it, right? If he's pointing at, well, look what those Houston players exactly, did. Exactly, because he honestly, I, I hate to say it, just like is he too stubborn or not sharp enough to go? Hey, point, don't point somewhere else. Point to yourself. Mm-hmm. Does Pete Rose deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Are there some unsavory characters that have made the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Right. Right. Ty Cobb was an avowed racist. Right. Pete Rose clearly deserves to be in that museum. And I and, and a part of me hopes that one day he is enshrined and, and it's not posthumously. But, but does, take some ownership. So right? do you agree with with um Major League Baseball not letting him into the Hall of Fame? I, I think at some point in time he has served his punishment. I do believe that. Just like, you know, Julie, we're going to talk about this probably next year when, you know, we we were celebrating Larry Walker getting in. You know, next year, um, guys Mm. like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens are going to are going to get really close. And and they're not that far away in terms of achieving 75 percent of the votes. And we're going to have that conversation. And at some point in time, you probably have served your sentence for guys that even had they not partaken in PDs mm-hmm. were Hall of Famers. And Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens were Hall of Famers, even though what they did, they shouldn't have done. I feel like we're ending on a downer. Yeah, I mean... What, what can do you get any right? jokes? Um, so two guys walking a bar. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Please allow me to introduce